grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. A happy Mother's Day to all of you. A little girl came home around lunchtime whining that her tummy hurt. Her mother told her, it's not serious. Your tummy's just empty. Put something in it and it won't hurt anymore. Well, the next Sunday, the pastor came to visit the family and while he was there, he mentioned he had a headache. The little girl remarked confidently, Mommy says that it's empty and if you would just put something in it, it would be all right. Everyone was seated around the table as the food was being served. Little Johnny received his plate. He started eating right away. Johnny, wait. We've got to say grace, his mother reminded him. Oh, I don't have to. The little boy replied, well, of course you do. We always say grace before eating at this house. That's our house, Johnny explained, but this is Grandma's house, and she knows how to cook. A junior high science teacher lectured on the properties of magnets for an entire class. The next day, he gave his students a quiz. The first question read like this. My name begins with an M, has six letters. I pick things up. What am I? And half the kids in the class wrote mother. Motherhood is full of frustrations and challenges, but eventually they all move out. Now I know although Mother's Day is a day of celebration for most of you, I also know that it can be a difficult time for some of you. Maybe you want to be a mother and have not been able to. Or maybe you've experienced a miscarriage. Or some of you have lost a child. Or some of you have lost your mother at an early age than expected. Some of you did not have or do not have a great relationship with your mother. And some of you mothers are experiencing the pain of wayward children. And some of you are flying solo as you work hard to raise your children alone. So we acknowledge that this is a day that can be tough for you. I frequently talk to young mothers and see their struggles in these days of COVID restrictions. Yes, some of them have had COVID babies, babies born just before or during the pandemic. Normally, they would be getting support from extended family and friends, lots of support. Maybe they would be having play dates with other mothers and their young children. They would be teaching their kids how to socialize and share. Hard to do in times of restrictions, for sure. When will things get back to normal? How are my kids going to come out of this pandemic? Will there be any long-term effects? You know, it's not just mothers who are feeling the pinch. Everyone is. People are feeling frustrated and burdened and troubled and overwhelmed. Remember that word, overwhelmed. For all of you who are feeling overwhelmed or burdened or heavy laden, 
God has a word for you, for all of us. And it's a great word, especially in these days of restrictions and pandemics. It comes to us from the Apostle John's first letter to the churches. He wrote this letter to the churches during a time when there was lots of unrest and trouble for Christians in the world. Yes, there were false teachings. Yes, there was persecution against the Christian faith. He saw many of his friends die at the hands of authorities. John writes from a lifetime of experience to calm our fears, encourage us to love, and point us to Christ, the source of everything we are and do as his children. So let me read it again to you from 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And who is this? Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The question to ask, am I going to overcome? Will I make it faithfully to the end? And the answer from God's word is a resounding yes. And it's not just based on wishful thinking. This promise that you who are overwhelmed will overcome, it's everywhere in the Bible. And I just want to point out what you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, what you are called in the Holy Scriptures, who you are in Jesus. Now, sometimes in our lives, circumstances happen, or even periods in our life in this world that can cause us to forget who we are and whose we are. In the Bible, we're called Christians, which were originally a term used to describe those who follow Jesus Christ by those who did not. It means little Christs. We're also called children, children of God, children of light, children of the day, children of obedience, kind of appropriate for Mother's Day. We are called believers or the faithful. We are called friends of Jesus Christ. You heard that today. We're called brothers and sisters. We're called sheep. You've heard that a few weeks ago. We're called saints and holy ones. We're called soldiers. We're called witnesses. We're called stewards. We're called fellow citizens. We're called lights in this world. We're called the elect of God. We're called the chosen. We're called ambassadors of Christ. We're called ministers. We're called servants. We're called disciples. We're called heirs. We're called joint heirs. We're called branches in the vine. You heard that last week. We're called members of the body of Christ. We're called light of the world. We're called living stones by which the temple of God is built. We're called living letters. We're called temples. We're called the beloved. We're called followers. All of those terms, and each of those terms give us the definition of who we are. And in a sense, it takes all of those terms to express the fullness of what it means to belong to God through Jesus Christ. But there's one other title. It's not generally part of the short list 
that most of us would refer to. And that is this term that is used a number of times in the text you heard earlier. We are overcomers. This is a descriptive term. It means victors, winners. The word, the word here comes from the Greek. It means to conquer. It means to win. It means to defeat. It means to gain victory. The root of the Greek word is Nike. The Greeks loved that word. They believed only the gods were ultimately unconquerable. And playing against that background, that kind of thinking in the ancient times, it's a pretty stunning thing to assign to Christians the kind of unconquerability that belonged only to the gods in that culture. We like that word even in English. Nike shoes are supposed to lead us to triumph in whatever athletic endeavor we engage in. The word, get this, is used by our Lord himself. In John 16, verse 33. And listen to what he says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Wow. You've got to write that verse down. In this world, take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. I have defeated the world, he says. I have conquered the world. I am the victor over the world and all the bad stuff and all, all of the world, like sin, death, and the power of the devil... And that's not all. There's a form of that word in one of our favorite scriptures. It's in Romans 8. At the close of that great 8th chapter where Paul is speaking about the unconquerable position of Christians in Christ, he says in verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us more than overcomers, super conquerors, ultimate conquerors, through faith in Christ. Spelled out for us in the next couple verses, verse 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can conquer us, not tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. We are the unconquerable, the overcomers, the Bible says we've overcome the devil. The Bible says we've overcome death. And here back in 1 John 5 verse 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. 
This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Everything that tries, everything in this world that tries to lead us away from God. Yes, the threats of a virus. Yes, the restrictions on gatherings. We are more than conquerors. Literally, the text uses the present tense, overcomes. Everyone born of God overcomes. It's a continually overcoming. It is habitual. It is permanent. It is ongoing. We are winning the battle because the war has already been won for us by Jesus Christ. The victory can never be taken from us. We may trip and fall along the way. We may fall victim to the enticements of the world from time to time. We may lose some of the skirmishes, but the great war has been won. The victory is ours, assured by Jesus Christ's victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil. This is a settled fact for us, never to be altered. Colossians 1 verse 13, notice the past tense. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves. I can't think of anything more comforting and uplifting in life than knowing that Satan can never defeat me. The world can never defeat me. Sin can never defeat me. The law can never defeat me. And death can never defeat me. I am invincible, not in myself, but in Christ who conquers all things on my behalf. My sins have been paid for in Christ. The penalty of sin has been paid in full by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I've been granted eternal life. I have been given a faith and a trust. I have implanted in my heart an affection for the things of God, a new nature which longs for those things that are holy, righteous, good, and just. I'm a new creation. Nothing will ever change that. I have been born again. I cannot be unborn. I possess the life of God. I don't love the world that has been cursed because of sin. The truth is in me because the truth teacher has taken up residence in my life. That Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm an overcomer in Jesus. Now this is nothing for me to be proud about. It's something that absolutely humbles me. Because I do not deserve this. None of these titles I deserve. I didn't deserve it when Christ made me an overcomer. And I don't deserve it now because I, with Paul... Still look at myself and say, oh, wretched man that I am. Well, if you don't deserve it and there's still sin in your life and if occasionally you still fall prey to the temptations of this world and the allurements of Satan and you still sin, how can it be said you have conquered them? It can be said that I've conquered them because the Bible says that I've conquered them in Christ. If I'm not perfect, what is it then that signals that I am more than a conqueror? 
If I still sin and fail, how do I know that I am an overcomer? If it's a very important question, because if you look at your life as I look at mine, you don't see the spiritual invincibility that the Bible talks about. You wouldn't rise up and say, I'll tell you this, as far as sin goes, I'm unconquerable. I don't think so. You wouldn't even come close to saying that. So how can it be? How can I put, how can I be put into the category of super conqueror? And it's all by grace. Undeserved, unmerited grace. It's because of a righteousness not of your own making that has been granted to you, put to your account the righteousness of God in Christ. It is because God in mercy and grace has made you what you by nature are not. The Bible tells us God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the best news ever. So wherever you are in life, whatever your challenges might be, if it's in motherhood, fatherhood, if you are struggling with who you are or who you should be, if you're unemployed, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, if it's physical illness, if it's relation, relationship issues, if you're feeling burdened and overwhelmed in any way, know that the God who made you, he has made you in the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Trust what God has taught you that you are overcomers and live what you believe. Amen.